Nafisa, it's time for our podcast. Can you hurry up? Taz, I'm coming. Jude has the Hoover on. Oh, Jude, no Hoovering. Are you ready to go to bed? Stay with you. You can't stay with me. You have to go to bed now. Let's go to bed. Yeah. Good night, Good night, Good night, baby. Good night, children. Let's play Lego. Sorry? Five minutes. Come on, let's go to bed. You can't stay with me, yalla. You need to stop playing. What are you playing? You can see me in the morning, okay? I'm Nafisa. And I'm Tasneem. Grab a cup of tea or coffee and some snacks and join us for a chat after hours. Just two Muslim mums kicking back, having fun. And talking about life, relationships, family, motherhood and more. Welcome to the madness that is our lives. Assalamualaikum Tasneem. Assalamualaikum everyone. Walaikum salam. So, Nafisa. Everyone's been talking about that new show on Netflix called Indian Matchmaking. Have you seen it? Funny you should mention that. I binge watched six episodes today. Oh my (laughs) God. Well, okay. To be fair, five episodes because I watched uh, the first one yesterday. But yeah, I did. I watched it. How did you find it? Well, firstly, I mean, the whole world seems to be at an uproar. Like I've seen articles on the Daily Mail, um, Independent, all talking about how horrifying it is, um, about all the colorism. So, I mean, obviously, it's something that mainstream society doesn't really know about. You know, they don't really know about how Asian matches are made. They are finding it quite misogynistic, a lot of colorism, casteism, sexism, you know. But I think we're a bit like immune to it because it happens in our own culture, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, throughout it, I cringed at many of the she's fair, slim, trim with every reference to a potential girl. So, yeah, that wasn't uncomfortable. Yeah, it was for me as well. At the same time, I thought, you know what? I mean, people still do that in our culture today in the UK. I've seen biodaters myself where they've written complexion fair on it. Yeah, or we tish. I remember back in the day, and we're talking like, what, 15 years ago, when my parents made one for me. And they wanted to put that on my one. And I was just like adamant that I would not have that nonsense on my biodata. There's no way. Like I've already agreed to this. There's no way I'm putting that on it as well. But yeah, so can you believe it? My own parents did that. Yeah, I can. If I was fair, maybe my parents would. But no, my parents didn't put anything like that. (laughs) However, I must tell you what my biodata was like. How many pages was yours? Mine was really short. It was literally one single A4 side. The very first edition of my biodata, <laughs> and I say edition on purpose, it was literally a dossier. It was uh, written by my brother, who's incidentally a barrister, but I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it was a thick file. I was mortified when I saw it. What, what warranted 100 pages of text? Um, it was 100 pages, I exaggerate. Maybe it was like tiny, tiny font. You know, J.R. Tolkien's book, The Lord of the Rings, yeah. was literally like that. And it was about five pages. Oh and God. it had a detailed description and academics of every single member of the family. My dad, as soon as I was 16, he was like, yeah, this girl's got to go. And um, he just thought maybe I was going to give him a lot of grief. And he was absolutely right. I did give him a lot of grief. And uh, he continued um, until I was like 24, 25 when he finally got rid of me. But yeah, it took that long. It took that long. So in terms of the um, Netflix Indian matchmaking show, I did think it had a lot of things that culturally speaking, especially nowadays, we are going to be uncomfortable with a lot of it. And obviously, if you're not from the Asian culture, you might find it really shocking. So maybe that's why there were so many articles written about it. Yeah. What, what else were the criticisms, Tasneem? 
some of it was about the portrayal of women on the show. So why were all the women, not all, okay, we had the nice ones, but the women were seemed to be really difficult. They were constantly being told to compromise in what they were looking for. The show starts with Apana, who's super, super successful, but she's made out to be a bit of a demon because she wants someone who's equally successful and driven and ambitious. Obviously, we know what reality TV is like, right? We know that a lot of it's edited out to make people look a certain way yeah kind of yeah so the women so there was her there was the mother you know Akshay's mother oh my gosh <laughs> you know what right they're so rich right at one point I thought I don't care if it's ugly like seriously I wouldn't mind marrying someone with that much money but then I thought you know that mother would kill me in my sleep I just thought no amount of money it, it, no amount of anything would make me marry into this kind of family and I thought I know there are some girls who might find that attractive because maybe they're not as well off or they might think um, they like that, you know, having a mother in you know, law who thinks of everything and would really look after them material wise. But having a mother like that, I'm not sure. It's, it's just bizarre. It's an odd relationship. And she seems to think that all sons want their wives to be like their mums. I've heard that before in our culture as well. All guys look for something similar to their mum or their sister. I find that really odd. No, but that's like a Freudian theory as well, though, isn't it? That women look for their dad in their future partners. I do agree that sometimes if you don't have a strong male figure in your family or you don't have a father figure, I've seen that young girls can go off the rails because they've not had that father figure and they tend to go for older men. But I don't think it's necessarily they're looking for a quality similar to their dad's. I don't know. You know what, though? My dad didn't even ask me what kind of person do you want to marry. Really? Yeah, he didn't even ask me. So then that's why I went and found my own person, isn't it? Oh, so, you know, my dad, I've always said to him, look, I don't want to marry someone so rigid and so religious. I wanted someone who followed Islam at the same level as me. You know what, though? Like, looking at my husband now, I do find a lot of similarities between him and my dad. Really? I hadn't known that at the time of marrying him. But now, the older we get, and obviously the longer we've been together... And um, the closer I'm even getting to my dad and seeing him in a different light now than obviously than I did when I was younger and living at home. I mm-hmm. see a lot of similarities between the two of them. And I'm like, bloody hell. Do you know what, Tazim? Even with my husband, although he's not like my dad in many ways, he is so spiritual, which is very similar to my dad. And he does a lot of things in terms of dawah work, in terms of commitment to the masjid, which my dad had as well. And initially, when my hubby was becoming like that more and more as our marital years went on, I did think, okay, it had better not be one of those where my husband's away all the time with these meetings and leaving me home alone with the kids. But alhamdulillah, have we managed to keep it balanced? Alhamdulillah. So I think like watching that show really, really brought to light so many of the issues that exist in our culture. And I think we really, really need to dedicate a proper pod to that, to marriage, to arrange marriages, to the different issues that we go through as women throughout that process, whether it is colorism, whether it's about our size, where we're from, our background, education, there's just so much that goes into it and we're scrutinized on so many levels. So don't worry, we're definitely going to dedicate a pod to marriage in our culture. But today's more about how we met our husbands and just giving you guys a little bit more of a chance to get to know us better. Definitely. So that leads me on to my questions. How did you meet your husband? Okay, so basically my dad found him and he didn't even show the guy to me and we just didn't see each other and we just got married. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. 
Well, you know, I get the feeling this is not the real story. Anyone who knows me and is listening will be really gossiping about this and probably saying, I knew it, I heard the rumors, and she always denied it. So it took me ages to find him. I told you it started really young. I had to kiss a lot of frogs, figuratively speaking, in order to find um, someone suitable. Figuratively, Nafisa. Yes, it was, very (laughs) figuratively speaking. Alhamdulillah, one day my sister-in-law said we really need to think outside the box and it's not just finding someone uh, through aunties. We had this really infamous auntie who was always matchmaking and she still does it. Um, she does it fisabilillah, she always helps everyone. So we just couldn't rely on her only and she said, why don't we look online? Why don't we look at single Muslim, I think, in those days was the most much of that time. I think Single Muslim was relatively new. And my cousin and I, we created a fake account and I called myself Honey Jew, you know, Honey underscore Jew. I don't know why. You have a star name, right? Oh my God, you're joking. We, we even discussed it lightly. We were like, oh, it's, you know, it, it'll show that we're really sweet. You know, that was our kind of clean thinking. Yeah, okay. name. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so, anyway. so anyway, we had a look. So um, that was just for fun. We just had a quick look. But then when my sister-in-law got involved, she said, we'll really, really knuckle down and have a look at all the profiles. And she found only five Bengali guys in the whole database, like five, wow. out of which I think one was in London. And although I'm from Birmingham, I used to be in London all the time, like every weekend. I was super close to my sister-in-law, so I would see her all the time and my nieces. And um, yeah, so she found this one guy and I remember sitting in her living room. I still remember the day, you know, it was a sunny afternoon and she said, hey, Naf, look at this guy. And she started to read the guy's description of his uh, potential wife or what he wants. I know it's really corny. Maybe today if I read it, I'd be like, oh, my God, what the hell? No, he's probably gay. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time when I read it, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, that's so nice. Baby, that's so nice. He wrote this poem, something about finding a wife who would complete his uh, journey to Jannah or something like that. I can't recall. It was very spiritual, but it was definitely a poem and there were definitely stanzas. I do remember. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not joking. If I find it, I will literally put it in the show notes of this episode as well. Okay, can I just stop you one second here yeah, to compose yeah. myself? <laughs> when you told me uh, that you're going to be telling me how you make the husband, I did not expect it to be through single Muslim. Okay. What did you think? I thought it was going to be through auntie, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe you met at the mosque, you know, and you like your eyes met over the shuraks or something. Oh my God, the smelly shuraks. Are you kidding? Secondly, I can't believe he wrote a poem like I don't know whether to laugh or cry you know what at that moment fortunately for him I laughed but I kind of giggled and I, and I and I actually thought it was copied you know I never thought for one second that he actually wrote that he told me way after marriage that he wrote that I was so shocked literally I couldn't believe how good it was do you have the poem somewhere I'm going to dig it out if I find it I'll definitely add it to the show notes and then you can read it Oh my God, let's just hope you're still married after you do all that, yeah? <laughs> yeah, let's see. <laughs> I did tell him today, I said to him, today we're going to be talking about you. And he was like, really, what are you going to be saying? At that moment, I was cooking some prawns, Chinese style prawns, sweet and sour. And he said, oh, is it like our marriage, that that dish you're making, sweet and sour? Just looked at him. I thought, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, I'm going to be talking about you today. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, what are you revealing about us? And I said, oh, well, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Let us know his reaction as well after he listens to this. Oh, no, I'm not letting him listen to this. Are you mad? 
Mate, it's going to be on the internet. He could just go search it himself. No. To it. I'll know if he listens because I'll hear it, won't I? And he'll be off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how we met. How about you? Okay, so my story is a little bit different. I moved to Dubai when I was 24 years old. My sister had already been living out there for years with her husband and her kids. And she kept telling me to come and join her out there. So while I was still in London, I was looking at jobs online. I applied for a job as like um, an associate editor for a magazine over there. Um, and then I did all the interviews and everything over like Skype or whatever it was in those days. Um, and then I moved out there and I literally met him in my first week. Where did you meet him? Right. So imagine me, yeah, 24 year old living away for the first time ever, like even through uni, I stayed at home and everything. So I'm living away for the first time, living in another country. My sister, who I'm supposed to be living with, was still on holiday in London. Mm-hmm. So um, when I went there, I had nobody. I knew nobody. Right. I went to this new job in the middle of the desert. I didn't know a single person. She obviously said, don't worry, as soon as I come back from holiday, I'm going to introduce you to everyone and you're going to make friends. But she said, until then, do not say no to any invitations. If anyone invites you to anything, just say yes. And that's how you're going to make friends, right? So I was like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So um, this person I used to work with, the graphic designer at the uh, magazine I was working for, he basically said, look, you know, a bunch of people are meeting tonight. There's going to be loads of nice girls there. You might make some friends. Why don't you come? Mm-hmm. I was in a restaurant in, in Dubai, in Jumeirah, called Rima Bawadi, this Lebanese restaurant. So I went and I felt really awkward, really uncomfortable. I was the only non-Arab there. I was the only person in hijab there. Um, and it was the first time I'd been to something with all these guys and girls together. Like I was very, like, quite sheltered up until that point. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is like super weird. So the guy whose birthday it was, I was just like, oh, hi, happy birthday. And he got <laughs> oh, thanks. And that was actually my husband. Oh my God. His birthday. So I just saw him. I was just like, yeah, some Arab guy, whatever, right? I went and sat next to these girls and I actually made friends with them and I'm still friends with them now. Mm-hmm. And he saw me and he thought I was Arab and he was thinking, why is she speaking to me in English for? So he thought I was just some poncy Arab just pretending to be really cool. Yeah. And that was that. And then I kept bumping into him. Like, so we'd go to like these different events and whatever, and he'd always be there. Every time I saw him, um, he'd always look out for me and he'd always make sure that I had food and he'd always make sure that I had like someone English speaking to sit next to, to speak to me and all that kind of stuff. And he was like really hospitable, really nice, really friendly. He added me on Facebook. Didn't you block him? So he added me, right? He actually added me pretty much immediately after I saw him the first time. And then, you know, the guy who had invited me to the party, and I said to him, look, that guy from yesterday, he's added me on Facebook. What shall I do? And he was like, you know what? He's a nice guy, but just like put him on like a restricted setting or something. That's where most of my guys are. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I did. And I just kept seeing him around everywhere. And then we became friends. And well, that's it really. The rest is history, I suppose. So how long did it take for him to propose to you? Uh, two years wow that's a long time because yeah, we were friends for ages so for ages okay. we were friends and stuff and I never actually considered it to be an option because he's not Bengali um he's Syrian obviously and he wasn't just like Syrian or Arab from London he's like Arab from that country you know so we were so different there were so many cultural differences at the beginning he barely understood anything I said he told me he could understand 10% of what wow. I was saying that's shocking did so were you speaking Arabic then no, I was speaking English. That's really why he liked me. He didn't know all the nonsense I was coming out with. <laughs> so nice. Little did he know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you. So you said that you led a more sheltered life in terms of your family when you told them that you'd met a guy like this in this way that's not traditionally 
Islamic, if you like. What was their reaction and, and how did you respond to them? Well, I told my mom, and I didn't tell her for ages either until I wanted to make sure that it was something serious first before I went around telling everybody. First thing, my brothers came to Dubai on holiday um, and I introduced him to my brothers. I just told them that this is a friend and he came with us. We went on like a desert safari and stuff just to gauge their reaction. I just wanted to see how they would gel, um, how they would communicate, if they'd get along and that kind of thing. And they loved him. They absolutely loved him. So that kind of gave me confidence to then tell my sister, who I was living with all that time, um, <laughs> to tell her. And she was really worried. She was really worried about the cultural differences, um, especially as she was like, look, it's not like you've got London or the UK in common. You literally have nothing in common except that you're both Muslim. You're so different. Mm-hmm. And she was like, how is this going to work in our culture, in our community, in our social lives? Like, how is this going to work? So she was a bit worried about that. And then obviously when things got a little bit more serious and I started thinking of actually, yeah, maybe this is somebody that I would want to marry. My mom had come to Dubai on holiday and I thought this is a perfect chance for her to meet him. Mm-hmm. So I told her, I was like, look, mom, there's this guy that I like, but I'm not sure about it because obviously he's Syrian. This is pre-war, right? Before everything happened in Syria. So he said to me, look, I don't know when it's going to be, but I am going to move back there one day. And you were okay with that? No. I was like, I can't live in Syria. Where am I going to buy creme de la mer from? <laughs> priorities where am I going to get a pad thai from do they even sell noodles like seriously like yeah. how am I gonna live there? <laughs> your girl's got to eat <laughs> and then exactly you know it's very important and then I was thinking to myself maybe I could come to Dubai in the weekends and buy all my stuff there and then bring it back like literally I was thinking stupid things like that right <laughs> secretly in a suitcase yeah I know. and then I was thinking who would I have friends like well, I'd have nobody there so I'll, all of this was in my head right and mm-hmm. so then I thought you know what let him my mum meet him and let's see so my mum met him we went to a restaurant and with my sister and my mum by the end of the night, man, she was like hugging him. Oh my god, wow. I wish you were my son. Like, I've got four sons, but I wish you were my fifth son. <laughs> blah 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 blah. Right? She was proper in love with him by the end of the night, and, and that actually gave me peace. As soon as my mom liked him, that gave me kind of peace in my heart because I was making dua to Allah to like give me a sign, show me like what's right for me. If mm-hmm. it is right for me to like, make it happen, if it's not right for me to obviously turn it away from me. So mm-hmm. the fact that she really really liked him that just put my heart at ease it wasn't the case for his mom oh oh my goodness okay first let's talk about your dad what did he say my dad was actually pretty okay about it so my dad mashallah like he's really religious he reminds me a lot of your dad as well from what i I was asking yeah, so his main thing is, is he Muslim, is he Sunni, um, does he pray? And Abdullah, mashallah, has always prayed five times, never missed a single salah, you know. So I told him that, or my mom told him anyway, he didn't ask me anything. He was asking my mom everything. And you know what he did? When he, then he told me I had to send him his biodata. Oh, so you had to make one oh, up. Of my Syrians don't have biodatas, he's like, just make one. So I had to tell Abdullah to make this marriage CV thing. He found it really hilarious. It really did. He just edit his professional one. You know, he <laughs> changed it all. Like he made one with his mom and dad, and like what they do, and all that kind of stuff, right? So he did all that, and he gave me a picture and everything, and then I sent it to my dad, and he sent it to all his brothers, <laughs> and he was like, "Look, this is like someone we're looking into for her," and blah blah. So he was quite cool about it all. He was much much better than I thought he was going to be. So, and his family didn't take it very well. His mum. Yeah, so his mom and dad basically, firstly, they didn't even know where Bangladesh was. Oh wow! They were like, "Is it like India?" <laughs> My father looked Bangladesh up in the encyclopedia. Wow! For exactly. 
yeah continue like what is this yeah what is this place I'm not you know speaking for all Arabs here but a lot of the Arabs generally that we've come across in the past especially my brothers when they used to work in the Middle East they said that a lot of them when they heard of Bangladesh they just knew it was somewhere poor and they used to find it shocking to find Bangladeshis in any kind of prestigious positions working there so it's not surprising I faced a lot of that when I lived in Dubai, obviously, but um, I think it's more in the Gulf, that perception. In the Gulf, a lot of workers and labourers are from the subcontinent. So that's, yeah, so the perception comes from there. So the Syrians, it's a bit different. So alhamdulillah, they didn't have like, they didn't think of anything like that. They just thought it's so different. And they were like, how's this culture going to work? He obviously told them, you know, she's Muslim, she's born Muslim, she wears hijab. His sisters and stuff don't wear hijab. But they were just so impressed by the fact that I covered, even though I lived in London. Wow. So they were kind of comforted by that. But um, his mom first said no for ages. She was like, you know, it's a different culture. No one in their close family, like uncles or aunts, had married outside of Syria or even outside of their zone where they're from. The town they live in, they all marry within that town because they even think mm. like people from Damascus are different from people than people from oh, I see, I see. yeah so and he's the eldest son and all of that as well but you know what the one thing what I found about Arabs or Syrian Arabs and my in-laws especially they all love a good love story <laughs> so nice he basically said to him my big fat Syrian wedding I know so he goes to my, his mom look mom you know I'm never going to go against what you say if you say no then I'll accept that and I respect what you say but just know that you'll break my heart forever Mm-hmm. and then that actually really touched her and then she obviously didn't want her poor little son to be heartbroken forever obviously <laughs> that's such a nice son mashallah so and I didn't want that either I always said to him if your parents don't agree then no way are we gonna get married like that's not gonna happen but I also mm-hmm. did say to him look me you got a deadline you've got till December to sort this out if they're still saying yeah. that I'm gone do you think I'm gonna sit around forever I don't think so yeah so before December, he sorted it out, and his mom, he wanted his mom to happily say yes, basically. Um, and uh-huh. she did, alhamdulillah. She, yeah, we got married in Syria just before the war, so alhamdulillah. Oh, alhamdulillah, it's so sad the war happened and that they're still suffering like that, but it must be nostalgic for you. Yeah. Especially for your hubby. Yeah, definitely. So, Nafisa, I've told you all about how my family reacted to the person that I wanted to marry. What happened when you told your religious Maulana father that you've been messing about on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Tasdeem, I knew you were going to say stuff like that. That you rejected all of auntie's proposals. You went out there, you stuck your face (laughs) on your picture on the internet, yeah? And found your own I didn't, you know. No, no, no. It was a fake account, remember? It was a... It's a communal account that my cousin and I used. Initially, we made that account just to uh, see what single Muslim concept was all about. Mm-hmm. After seeing his poem, we definitely was interested. But before we could even express our interest to him, he expressed an interest to us. So, you know, it was a legitimate proposal that way. After that, we exchanged numbers. We spoke on the phone three times. How was the first phone conversation? It was okay. He was traveling a lot in those days because he used to work for Nokia. You know, that's how ancient we are. <laughs> He's a software engineer. So he was traveling all the time. So by the time we actually got around to the phone call, it was good. It, initially, it was a bit formal, but we hit it off straight away. He was comfortable. I was comfortable. And one of the clear signs of uh, the fact that we thought that this has the potential to go somewhere was our conversation wouldn't end. Like it was 45 minutes and then... We could just continue talking, but every time it was nearly my group time. I think he timed it intentionally, you know. I'll ask him about that. <laughs> it was always my group for some reason. And I could always hear his mum in the background saying, 
come and eat. You know, it's mangrove. You need to eat. And I used to think, God, what a mummy's boy. You know, I can't believe he has to go as soon as his mum calls. But obviously, I appreciate that now, now that I'm a mum. <laughs> so that happened three times after that because we still hadn't finished our questions. He was asking me all of life's important questions and I was asking him, you know, like, um, how religious are you? What kind of things would you expect from your wife and vice versa? Would you be okay with living at home with family and brothers and sisters-in-law? You know, just general questions. Yeah, but all the really important questions. Like really important. Knows. Like if you were to meet somebody and you just have fun and you just get to know them on a fun level, we skipped all of that and we just went for the jugular. Once we cleared those and we knew a little bit more about each other in terms of the big questions, we then started to talk about the little questions. Oh, so what do you like to do and what do you like to do to relax and all those other, you know, more common questions. That's the beauty of the arranged marriage though, isn't it? Because you know that you're both in there to see, to explore whether or not a union between the two of you would be viable. And I think that's one of the concepts that they spoke about in Indian matchmaking as well, that you just go straight to the most important questions. Like ordinarily, people might be together for two, three years before they find out if the other person even wants to have kids. Yeah, clearly I was super serious and he was super serious. So we didn't want to waste time. And plus, we were trying to do this as Islamically as possible. The fact that we got introduced via internet medium was a bit daring in those days and it was a bit out there but we did it my brother my sister and I knew every time we were having a conversation and they were not outside the room listening but they were in the house and, the, and I told them look I'm going on the phone with him so it was like my wali already knew so we tried to do everything as what's the word as purely as possible because we wanted to start off that way we just wanted to do it very halal as much as possible so after our three conversations we were ready to meet so my younger brother came with me with my sister no and he came with a friend and he definitely brought his friend along to make him look good. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't obviously notice his friend because I was looking for him. I'd seen his photo, obviously, so I knew what he looked like. And his friend came in first and he was all smiles and sunshine. And my sister-in-law whispered to me saying, wow, he's so good looking. And I'm like, that's not him. <laughs> Behind him, he, my husband came in and straight away he was all smiles. He's got a big smile. He's got a lot of teeth like me, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> My, one of my cousins mentioned that oh he smiles exactly like you with a lot of teeth so anyway we just started to talk straight away my sister and I made small talk with him and then they moved on to another table we met in Cafe Rouge by the way Oh, and um, yeah, we were talking for a long time while my sister was talking to his friend who uh, my husband knew would make him look good you know which he yeah. did <laughs> his friend was very very academic and came from an excellent family background and actually he came from a similar place where my sister comes from too. You and, know what? You know, they... you know when you said he brought his friend to make him look good? Yeah. I thought you meant he brought some really ugly friend along to make him look good. No, 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 no. So, you know, like he's trying to show the kind of company he keeps and yeah. <laughs> that was that. We really got on. I remember going home and my brother was waiting for me. I didn't even say anything. You know, I was thinking, I'm going to look at this very objectively. I'm not going to be one of those girls who just falls for the first guy that they meet and blah, blah, blah. Barely walked into the house and my brother was like, oh God, she likes him. And I was like, written all over your face. I don't know what he saw, but he, I was like, no, I, I don't even know. I have to think about it. And you know when you feel so frustrated because you think, oh, why does he say these things when he doesn't even know me? <laughs> but you know what? He knows me. So yeah, he must know you. Yeah, alhamdulillah. 
It happened like at clockwork soon after families met. We had uh, a nikah and then we had a three-month waiting period before reception party and then the walima party. So we got to know each other in between. And yeah, alhamdulillah, it was like, like a fairy tale at the time. Alhamdulillah. No, that sounds amazing. And it sounds like the perfect Islamic marriage, if you know what I mean. Do you know what? It was an Islamic marriage. But shall I tell you something? I promise you, it felt like a love marriage. It really did. There were moments during the whole course where I felt like literally this could not be happening to me. It felt so surreal and magical and really felt like we were dating, even though we were married because we had a nikah. But the whole uh, experience of it, he'll agree as well. It, it definitely did not feel like we ended up compromising or anything like that. Alhamdulillah. 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 Nice love story. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. And you know what? And you guys seem so stable and happy even today. Well, alhamdulillah. You know what? I, I promise you, it wasn't an easy journey getting here. And we'll do another show one day where we talk about how long it took us or the journey of getting to this place where we are married. We've had a lot of trials along the way. With Habi, as soon as I knew this was happening, I did a little ibadah for the sake of marriage. I remember doing a niyyah and saying to Allah that I'll do turakanafal every single day, like every day after my group. And I kept that going for ages until I had kids, I think. And even now, occasionally, I try and do it with that purpose. But I really believe that helped. I just really believe that if you make an intention, and even if it's a small act of worship and it's consistent, Allah does reward you and he does protect you. And alhamdulillah, all throughout it, I really thought of Allah in that way and really was grateful to him. I do feel like he rewarded that act. You know what, Nafisa, mashallah, listening to your story was so inspiring and it just made me realize that although our culture does have a lot of similarities to say India matchmaking when it comes to um, the biodatas and you know the casteism colorism all of that all of that's not in Islam and the way you did it was like yeah it was an arranged marriage but it was done Islamically and there was so much beauty and purity in it and it didn't have all of the other kind of the nonsense that can come along with an arranged marriage it had all the best parts of it Alhamdulillah, definitely, definitely it did. And, you know, in Islam, we're clearly told and guided, actually, what kind of things we should be looking for in a marriage and in a marriage partner. We are told to look for three things when we're considering someone for marriage, and that's piety, wealth and beauty, with piety being the most important one. So I think if we try and follow that guideline as much as we can, we can't go wrong. I agree. So Alhamdulillah, that brings us to the end of our little discussion today of how we met our other halves. Um, true love stories. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys have any questions about our journey or if you want to share something about your marriages, please do send us an email or drop us a message on our website and let us know and we can maybe read some stories out. Or you can also DM us on Instagram as well. Inshallah. All right, Nafisa, shall we call it a night? Go find the other halves. <laughs> Let's go find the other halves. <laughs> All right, then, Inshallah. Speak to you soon. Assalamualaikum. You've been listening to Nafisa and Tasneem. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our show. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and review. Follow us on Insta and Facebook at NotAnotherMumPod as well as on Twitter, mum underscore pod. You can also listen to all our pods on www.notanothermumpod.com as well as on all your favourite podcast platforms. Should we go to bed now? <coughs> really?
I'll cuddle you. I can't fit in your bed. Yes, be awake forever. Good night, children. Say Allahumma. Allahumma. Bismika. Amutu. What are you? Allahumma. Bismika. Amutu. What are you?